Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello, 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 and welcome to After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. I'm John Steele, and it would seem that it's finally happening. I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, but I think after a very unexpected break for nearly three months, we are up and running again, which is great news because we've got a backlog of alumni interviews to send your way and even more conversations scheduled. So here's hoping that we come across no more show-stopping bugs and that we can just enjoy what we've all come here for, stories from and for alumni like you and me to help us all navigate this beautiful mess of life after college. Okay, time for a quick John tangent. Does anyone else ever enter a new year wondering what movies have been made in the past with a futuristic setting that takes place in the year we just started? For example, I grew up watching the Back to the Future trilogy, and in the second installment, which was made in 1989, main characters Marty, Jennifer, and Doc Brown travel into the distant future of 2015. And as we all know, October 21st, 2015, one day after my 29th birthday, in case anyone was wondering, came and went without flying cars, without the Cafe 80s, and sadly, without Jaws 19. So I was wondering, what movies made in the past have the futuristic setting of 2022? And just in case you all were wondering that as well, I took the liberty of looking it up. You're welcome. Overall, it's not an overwhelming list of classics, I'm going to tell you. Apparently, there aren't many creatives who identified 2022 as a desirable year for fictional tales, but a few notable offerings do stand out. According to The Tomorrow War, starring Chris Pratt, 2022 will be the year that our militaries are sent into the future to battle the white spike aliens that are taking over our planet. An upcoming Jurassic Park movie, also starring Chris Pratt, suggests that 2022 will be another year in a long series of years when dinosaurs will be roaming free once again, probably also trying to take over the planet. According to the 2017 box office flop, Geostorm, this is the year we'll face a storm of global proportions, hence Geostorm, due to the malfunctioning satellites charged with controlling our climate. And finally, and probably most disturbing to all except you Simpsons fans, 2022 is the year we will discover that our beloved global food supplier Soylent Green is, in fact, people. Sounds like a banner year for 2022, everyone, so hold on tight. We've got about 11 months to see if any of these come to pass. Oh, one honorable mention from the recent past, 2018's A Quiet Place, which takes place in 2020 and 21, basically nailed our actual reality. The characters spend almost all of their time at home with their family while secluded from others. They really want to be with other people, but they find that anytime they are, those people often pose more of a threat than a benefit to them. They become very crafty and learn how to make things at home that they'd never been able to make before. There's some mysterious and dangerous new species living outside that would most definitely cause them serious harm if they encountered it. And I didn't see a single character gaming on a PlayStation 5, so clearly they were also experiencing supply chain issues and a microchip shortage. That one was a dead ringer. Okay, enough time spent in the mind of John. Our alumni interview for this week is also an artifact from the past that gives us a very accurate portrayal of today's reality. This conversation with University of Chicago alumna Brianna Payton was recorded back in the days of yore in September of 21, 
long before the great computer crash in November of the same year. I'm so grateful for the time I got to spend with Brianna. We covered a number of topics, but one that stood out to me in particular was a story of the untimely death of her friend and colleague and the way that God met her in that difficult place of mourning. Today you'll get to hear some of that conversation. In a season where we've all experienced loss in one way or another, I trust that Brianna has some helpful wisdom for us this week. Enjoy. Hello, Brianna. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. For those of us who don't know you, can you just give us some background? You could start with where you went to school and when you graduated. So I went to Princeton University for undergrad and I graduated in 2017. And you went to grad school as well, correct? I did. I went to the University of Chicago for grad school and I graduated from there in 2020. And what did you study? In undergrad, I majored in sociology with minors in African-American studies, American studies and Spanish language and culture. And in grad school, I studied at the School of Social Service Administration at the University of Chicago. It's an MSW program, but it has a really strong policy track. So for people that are interested in more like systems level change policy advocacy, they call that macro social work. And that was the track that I focused in. So I focused on policy and advocacy and specifically transforming the criminal justice system. That's really interesting. I've known several people that have gotten a master's of social work, but it is the typical social worker role that you consider. So this is really cool to hear a whole nother angle to social work and policy change. Are you using your degree right now? Are you searching for a place to use it? What does your work life look like at this point? By the grace of God, I am using my degree. Um, I am a policy analyst at a nonprofit called the Chicago Community Bond Fund. And this is an organization that does work on exactly what I was interested in working on, which is criminal justice reform. So on one side of our work, we pay bonds for people who can't afford it so that they can process their cases while they're at home in their communities instead of being in jail while awaiting trial, which introduces all these negative consequences in people's lives. And on the side that I work on, the policy side, we advocate for changes to the pretrial legal system. The biggest change that we advocated for was to end the use of money bond in Illinois. So we got legislation passed earlier this year that's going to do that starting in January 2023. And it's replacing money bond with like a fair hearing process so that the decision about whether someone is in or out of jail while they're awaiting trial is dependent on the facts of their case and not how much money is in their bank account. And I would assume thereby creating a more equitable space for people being able to spend their time at home as they're going through their trial and not if you're an impoverished person, then sorry, you're out of luck. And I imagine that that has a significant impact even on someone's mental health as they're going through a trial. Absolutely. The rate of suicide inside jails is double that of the general population. Wow. That is fascinating. How does that feel to be a part of something like that? You know, it's actually such a blessing. I've been privileged to do some really important work. What an amazing privilege it is to really be able to do work that has such important impacts on other people's lives. And the way that it feels is just like I'm walking in the purpose that God created me for. And that is just a beautiful feeling. There is nothing like being in God's will for your life. Before we continue on in the now, I'd love to go back just a little bit. Can you share with me how it was that you got involved with InterVarsity in the first place? Sure. There wasn't an, an intervarsity chapter on my undergrad campus, but there was a chapter when I was in grad school. I think it was like a an activities fair that I went to when I was at the orientation for my master's program. And I think that I passed by a table where they were advertising for the Graduate Christian Fellowship. So I went to some of their prayer sessions. I went to um, a worship night that they had. I made some friends there. I think the biggest part of my involvement, though, with 
InterVarsity came because one of their emails that they sent out was advertising an evangelism cohort. This InterVarsity staff member who you know, Rick Matson, was running these evangelism cohorts where students from different schools would meet together virtually and grow in the area of evangelism. And it just came at a really timely point in my life where I was really feeling convicted about the need to take that part of my life more seriously. I specifically remember attending a church service and my pastor preached one day about God really wanting his people to recommit to the gospel. And I was just so convicted that day. I just still remember being on my knees and in tears saying, God, I want to recommit to the gospel. Like I don't want to live a life of normalcy where I'm focused on living my faith personally for myself, but not focused on sharing it with others. Like, please grow me in this area. So, you know, to get an email a few months later that there was going to be a cohort that was focused on that, it was just music to my ears. And it's ended up being a really huge blessing to me over time. So I would say that's really the the greatest substance of my involvement with InterVarsity. And that's continued even after I've graduated because Rick has allowed me to come on as kind of like a co-trainer, co-facilitator, alumni participant in the evangelism cohorts and other evangelism trainings and things that he's done even since after I've graduated. That's amazing. Even being post-college, post-grad school, you are still contributing and receiving and being involved with this ministry in some really important ways. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. I would even say I got more involved after graduating because, you know, once you get out of grad school, you have a little more time on your hands. Okay. So all of these great experiences that you got to have and spending time in this evangelism cohort, but you're slowly but surely creeping towards graduation. So I'm wondering when the time came for graduation, how did you feel about that? Were you excited? Were you scared? What, what was going on inside of you as you approached graduation? I think it was just kind of like surreal. You know, I think time flies when you're in school in general, but when you're in grad school in like a two-year program, the time really, really flies. I remember telling my friends like, man, can you believe we're about to graduate? Where did the time go? And I don't want to say it was completely anxiety provoking, but it was definitely a time where you're balancing trying to be fully present in your program with also thinking, oh, I should probably be applying to more jobs right now. Like, so I remember kind of balancing that, but having a weird feeling that I just didn't feel the pressure to be like full throttle applying for jobs. Like I had a friend who was applying like informational interviews every week, tons of applications. And I was just, I was very, very involved in grad school. I had three jobs. Two of them were research assistantships. I was co-leading two student groups. I'm just the type of person that does a lot. So I had so many things on my plate while I was in grad school that it made it hard for me to like start really digging hard into the job searching process much ahead of graduation. So at times I was like, oh, should I be doing more? But I kind of had this inner peace that like it was okay that I wasn't doing that. And God ended up opening the door for me to apply for this one pot of summer funding to do an internship. And that ended up kind of holding me over. And then the job that I ended up getting wasn't posted until July. So that explains why I wasn't feeling the pressure to do all these applications in January, trying to just trust God in the process. And he didn't steer me wrong. What an interesting line to walk. I mean, I, I need to do something. I need to be able to provide for myself. And I actually want to use what I've been studying and investing all this time and money in. But then at the same time, balancing that with, I want to believe that God's in control and that he has a plan, you know, working and waiting at the same time and figuring figuring out, yeah, how do you do that well? Which is kind of the life of a grad student, honestly, because from the moment that you step foot on campus, you're like, I'm only here for two years. So I've got one semester to kind of just be here. 
And then I almost immediately have to start thinking about where I'm going next. And from the beginning, you have to kind of try to maximize your experience. I had like six jobs lined up for while I was in school because I just felt that pressure of it's such a short program that you kind of have to make the most of it as soon as you get there or it'll be over before you know it. I took the Enneagram test and my result was I'm the achiever type. So like, even though I don't feel the need to necessarily compete with other people, I definitely feel the need to achieve. I don't want to say competing with myself, but it's kind of like that, doing all the things and wanting to do them really well. So my schedule was very, very packed during grad school. And it was definitely a learning curve to really like do the things that I'm involved in to the best of my ability, but also learning to prioritize rest and restoration and also time with God. Are those things that you're still kind of learning now in this next phase of life? Absolutely. 100%. Um, I feel like it's an ongoing kind of goalpost to learn how to center your life around Jesus. It's just so easy to center your life around your obligations and your own priorities, your education, your career. And I'm continually asking God, just like, show me how to actually arrange my life around you. So you've touched on this a little bit, but as you were kind of thinking about next steps, were there expectations that you had for your life moving forward after graduation? You know, to be honest, I didn't have a ton of expectations because I didn't really know what to expect. I just knew what I wanted. I knew that I wanted to find a job where I would be able to use the skills that I had amassed during the time that I had been, you know, working and in school and also be learning a lot and contributing to this movement for criminal justice reform, which I believe is a movement that is close to the heart of God because, you know, God doesn't abandon anyone. And so for me, it's it's very much tied to my faith, my commitment to this work of trying to make sure that our systems are more humane, even to those of us that we consider to have done bad things. I just wanted to find a place in that movement to contribute my gifts and talents and to also learn and grow. I just wanted to continue to build a life in Chicago that I was happy with as far as community. I wanted to be able to get more involved in church. I was attending church while I was in grad school, but I looked forward to being able to be a little more present because of not being so wrapped up in grad school. Yeah, I I just knew what I wanted. I don't think I had hard and fast expectations, but I just knew what I wanted more so. Sure. Once again, kind of living in this grad school reality of, I don't really know what's going to happen next after I graduate, but here are the things I've been working on and here are the things that I'm hoping for. So then where did you land with some of those hopes? What has, what has life looked like since then? I'm so glad that you asked that because it just is reminding me that God has been so faithful to literally give me everything that I wanted. And I'm just feeling very grateful right now. I mean, I, did, I got exactly that. I landed at a job as a policy fellow at a nonprofit that was doing cutting edge policy advocacy work um, in Chicago and in Illinois. I got to be a part of a campaign to pass historic legislation in my state to end money bond and to change the pretrial legal system so that hundreds of thousands of people will be impacted by a law that I got to help get passed, you know, and that was my vision. I wanted to be able to uh, affect systemic change. It was literally just like a dream come true. And I've learned so much um, since being in my job. So my professional interests have been fulfilled. My desire to have relationships and, and community in my church have also been fulfilled. My friends and I from grad school stayed in touch. Me and three other um, women from my master's program 
started like a Friday night Bible study slash hangout session. Sometimes it was more Bible study. A lot of times it was just more hanging out and that was really restorative. I'm a single young woman, but I tell people that I often don't feel there's a void in my life because I just have such such blessed and robust community. You know, we weren't made to be alone, but it doesn't mean that if we're not in a relationship that we're alone. And I've definitely experienced that by having that around me. And then in the area of church, again, God has come through. I tried to do a good job of attending church consistently when I was in grad school, but I've been able to join small groups and I've made really wonderful friends. We we get to worship together and serve together in church, but we also get to like do fun things. And that's another thing I've gotten to take classes at my church, like apologetics and how to study the Bible. And so I feel like I'm growing in my faith and the young adults ministry at my church is getting more active and they're looking for people to lead and serve. And I got to talk to my young adults pastor and share my vision for building community. I'm looking forward to hopefully serving in that capacity in the young adults ministry at my church. So, you know, it's just been a win, win, win all around in, in all of the areas that I mentioned to you. God has been more than faithful to fulfill the desires that I had for my life after grad school. That's amazing. When you think about the expectations that you had, or or maybe the lack of expectations that you had going into graduation, of just this openness to, here are the things that I hope will happen, but I don't know what's actually going to happen. And then to see all of those things actually come to fruition in so many powerful and meaningful and overt ways. That's I'm just going to say that that's not common. <laughs> <laughs> the the experience that you have had is so different from what many people have have experienced and gosh what what a blessing to to know that that's the case that God is faithful that he's moving and that even though I will say it's very likely that at some point in your life here, things will not feel like they're going quite so swimmingly as they are right now, but that that's a moment then to look back on this, this phase and say, the God who is granting all of those things is the same God who I'm experiencing in the dark or in the desert or in the wasteland right now. And to remember those things when you inevitably get to that really, really difficult place. It absolutely is a blessing. And I mean, if I'm being honest, I've, I've been experiencing a tough season recently. You know, everything that I'm describing about things that have been going well, they have. Um, but I've also experienced some unexpected hardships since my time coming out of grad school, especially recently. And, and I do agree that the faithfulness that God has shown me in all these other areas of my life have allowed me to still lean on and trust him in times when things also didn't go as well as I wanted them to. So then other side of that. It's so easy for us when we can have a hundred fantastic things going on in our life and we can have one even legitimately horrible thing that's happening. But sometimes for many of us, it's just like I'm having kind of an off day and how often we can just zoom in on that one thing and that it just blocks out all the amazing things that God is doing. And I'm, I'm sure that there are days that like that's your reality, but that here in this conversation that you're able to look at that and say, yeah, there have been some tough times, even seriously tough times, but I can see God's faithfulness in the midst of those things. It's absolutely true. One of the things that I was dealing with recently was that I experienced kind of a close loss for the first time. Really tragically, one of my coworkers recently passed away. I work at a very, very small organization. There were only like six of us on staff when I came and due to some different transitions, me and my coworker were pretty much the only ones on my team for the last like eight months. And so this was the person I did everything with at work. And uh, he was young. He was he was my age, basically. He was 28 years old and passed away in a tragic tubing accident with his family, saving his kids um, in a lake. And I'm sorry, I just kind of like dove into that and didn't even really give a trigger warning. But that's kind of how it happened in my life. It just kind of came out of nowhere. And, you know, by the grace of God, I hadn't really lost anyone close to me before then. Like I knew of people that had passed away. 
but it had always been like, you know, maybe someone my parents knew or a family member that I wasn't very close with. And so this was the first person who was a part of my daily life who was just gone and, and gone at such a young age at that 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 felt like a gut punch and it really really caught me off guard and it was really 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 tough and at the same time i knew that god was with me he just gave me an opportunity to reengage with joy you know there was an entire week where i was just in a complete emotional funk after my coworker passed away and i wasn't sure how or if i would get out of it and before this happened i had booked a trip to houston for the week after and it ended up being exactly what I needed to get a little bit of joy back. You know, it was it was for my cousin's law school graduation. So it was a celebratory environment. I got to see family that I hadn't seen in a long time. I got to see it was just there were little things that happened that weekend that made me feel like God is being so kind to me. Little things like a restaurant that was super, super popular called the Turkey Leg Hut that is notorious for having like three hour waits in the line and us walking up there and getting seated in like five to 10 minutes. You know, there were just little things that happened that weekend that just made me feel like God is just being kind to me and just showing me that even in the middle of this really difficult time that he sees me and that he wants to show me that joy is still available to me. I actually had a very similar, not the the depth of loss experience that you're talking about, but I had a very similar experience as well that felt like timing on something very simple just worked out. And I had this moment of being like, wow, God, thank you. It's not even important what's happening. And sometimes I feel the temptation to sort of boil that down to like, this is the power of God in my life. And that that becomes the most overt expression of God's work in my life sometimes. And that, that I, I thought about that and I was like, that just feels silly. Really, is that the most powerful thing that I'm expecting God to do in my life? But the way that you said that, this is God just being kind, just... I can totally do this. And so I'm gonna, because I know it's going to put a smile on your face, even though I can do things that are much bigger and stronger and deeper than this. Here's just a little gift for you. I I love the way that you say that God was just being kind to me. As he is, because, you know, the Bible says that he perfects those things concerning us. So it's whether it's things that concern us at the big level or whether it's the small things like he cares. It's almost like, you know, if you think about it, like if you're a parent and you do little things to make your child happy, or if you're a significant other and you do little things to make your spouse happy. I just feel like God does the same things for us, you know? <laughs> yeah. That makes me think of my my most recent trip to the grocery store. I asked my three-year-old if there was anything that she wanted me to get for her. And she said, uh, gummy bears. <laughs> and even as I was leaving, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get you gummy bears. Are you kidding me? And I got to the store and walked past the gummy bears. And I was like, she's going to be so pumped if I bring these home. So I grabbed this little, you know, $2 bag of gummy bears and brought them home. And it was she was so excited when she got up from her nap. I was back from the grocery store and there they were sitting on the counter. And Aww. yeah, to think there are things in our lives that God does for us that are that are exactly like that and that we should treasure those things. And it can be so easy to write off or to miss or sometimes even to feel guilty about in one way or another. But to embrace that as like, man, I just serve a really kind God, a really kind God. A really kind God. He's kind in the big things and in the small. I should have said this earlier, but thank you for for sharing. That's a really hard thing to have experienced. And I would imagine only being a month or two out from that, something that's still pretty raw. I just wonder, you've shared a few different things, but I mean, loss is something that we're all going to experience in one way or another. Sometimes it will be small loss and sometimes it will be huge loss that really just guts us. If you don't mind me asking, from your experience 
Are there decisions that you have made and said, this is something I'm going to do to help me process through this well? And then on the flip side of that, are there things that you've seen that God's just had to do as you've been kind of processing through grief and loss? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that I had to do was just like run to God and not away from him. I think that when we go through things and when we experience things, it's just easy to blame God or to kind of want to be by ourselves because maybe we don't feel safe with God because maybe we feel like if we were safe with God, God would have protected us from even experiencing that. And that's something that I've had to learn early in earlier parts of my faith journey that God is my protector. And even because of the things that happened to me and not, not, you know, in spite of them, like he is our protector because this world is so dangerous because it can be so full of pain and grief and I'm um, learning to know him as protector and, and trustworthy father in the midst of that. And so I think running to God and not away from him was a big thing, you know, taking my emotions to God, my processing to God, my feelings, my fears, praying prayers that, you know, maybe I don't have a right to say. I remember the first thing I said was God, he needed more time. And, you know, who am I to say that? Like, who am I to say, who am I to say, how much time someone needed, but that's what I feel. That's what I felt. I said, God, he needed more time. Like he needed more time. And just being able to just tell my raw emotions to God and not worry about whether they're theologically correct, but that's my father. And I can ask him for anything, you know, little kids ask their parents for anything, even if it doesn't make sense, your daughter might ask you for the sky and whether you can oblige that, you know, is a different question, but she trusts you enough to ask because it's on her heart and you're her father and she knows that you love her and she knows she can at least ask. And I just, that, that was one of the things that I, that I did was just take my emotions, my desires, my thoughts to God, my concerns. Um, I, I gave myself space to cry when I needed to cry. I gave myself space to process when I needed to process. And I found things that were life-giving to me. I called on my support system. I think I told two of my best friends the news over text and my best friend was traveling the day that I told her. So she wasn't super responsive. And I remember texting her like, you know, this, is really hard for me. And I really, really need your presence. I hope you don't feel shamed by me saying that. And she's like, no, I'm glad that you gave me an opportunity to show up for you. I'm glad that you told me that you needed me. And so like not being afraid to reach out to my support system and say like, I need help. This is really hard for me. I need someone here. Even if you don't have the answers, even if it's just to sit and listen to how this feels or to pray with me, like I just need something, you know? And so Leaning on God and leaning on my support system were definitely important parts. And then, yeah, like you said, I definitely had to do some releasing things to God and say, like, I cannot live my life shaming myself for what whether I did enough. You know, it's tragic that my coworker isn't here anymore. But if I let myself get swallowed in regret, then I'm missing the life that I'm still blessed to live. God is still giving me the breath in my body. And what am I going to use it for? Am I going to use it for regret? Or am I going to use it to make the most out of the time that I have and the opportunity that I still have? And so it actually, this is one thing that God did use it to do. Um, even though I don't believe that my coworker passing was the doing of God, but I know that God works things for the good. And one way that he did do that in my life was just giving me an even stronger motivation and a greater urgency about sharing the gospel. So when I was in my Lyft ride on my way to that trip to Houston, I started a spiritual conversation with my Lyft driver. He was telling me about all his different views and how he thinks everything is a product of our perception and all these different things. And um, I was kind of just asking him some different questions like, well, how do you think this? And what do you think about that? And before I got out the car, I was like, you know, normally I wouldn't be this forward, but I just think you should ask God to reveal himself to you and like, and like give God a try. And he was like, 
wow, you are the sixth person in the last week to say that to me. Whoa. Help to tell me that I need to get closer to God. And I was like, well, I think you should. And he was like, well, I have to at least try now. And so that was just like a very surreal moment where I was like, wow, God used this really, really painful experience to remind me that we shouldn't take for granted the opportunities that we have to share Christ with the people around us. And it's helping me to push myself out of my comfort zone and to to go further maybe than I would have normally. And I can trust that he can bring fruit out of that in other people's lives. So good, Brianna. Thanks for your insights and for being willing to share so vulnerably with us. One thing that struck me when I was talking to Brianna and that still stands out to me today is her comment on the kindness of God. In the midst of tragedy, Brianna was able to look at simple victories in her day and see them not as coincidence, but as a loving God being kind to her. One day we will experience the fullness of Jesus' victory over death and loss and sadness. And in the meantime, we aren't left in a reality that's devoid of victory. We just may need to be ready to look for it in different places. What if in the midst of the difficulties and losses that we will inevitably go through in this after-college experience, we endeavored to look for God's kindness to us, even in small ways? Yes, feel the sadness and process the grief, but don't miss the ways that God continues to step in and let you know that he sees you, that he loves you, and that he's caring for you. I would definitely like to do a better job of that myself. Thanks again, Brianna. I'm grateful for what you're teaching us. Hey, if you'd like to hear more from Brianna, come back next week for part two. She'll share how her experience with loss has actually propelled her into a deeper life of purpose and partnership with God. And part of that includes some really cool work she's doing with InterVarsity as a volunteer. Make sure you don't miss it by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform and following us on socials. And be a pal and share these episodes with your alumni friends. Have a great week. We'll see you next time, alumni.